It really is great to be with you this morning at the beginning of this new year. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you once again to all the musicians, uh, the tech team, and everyone that makes uh, these times on a Sunday possible. Uh, just thank you for your ongoing hard work and support um, and making all the stuff roll so easily each Sunday. It's greatly appreciated and loved, so, so thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of take some time this morning just to reflect a little bit um, with you at the beginning of this year and then anticipate something of the next couple of weeks as we look at our mission statement together uh, just to remind ourselves of what God has called us to do. Um, I found myself this week just thinking about last year and the first Sunday that I preached last year and how I try to encourage us to um, anticipate not only a new year but a new decade. And uh, 2020 was also going to be the year of our 20th anniversary as a church, uh, as a church family. And we had planned a whole lot of celebrations to mark that event. <clears throat> Excuse me. To mark that event together. And then, of course, things changed radically in March. And the whole year changed for all of us. And it certainly turned out to be a very, very different year from what we were anticipating. <clears throat> and now in 2021, at the beginning of this year, we still face... A new year with much uncertainty uh, due to COVID and not quite sure how things are going to work out for us this year. And uh, many people putting a lot of hope in the speedy vaccination of the most vulnerable in our communities so that we can finally get back to some kind of normality as a nation and as communities. And that's the, the reality of the pressure that we are all facing right now at the beginning of this year. And we've already had an extraordinary beginning to the year in other parts of the world. And uh, I had to just kind of reflect a little bit on the amazing events, the extraordinary events that played out this last week at Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And on one, one hand, I'm absolutely astounded at the behavior of a president in the most powerful country in the world that can take such a, a role in inciting violence and what transpired that day. It really is appalling. But at the same time, I'm perhaps more disappointed that some have distorted the gospel and perverted the gospel to justify their support of a corrupt and immoral racist person who out of political expedience has counted and courted the votes of Christian communities. And this really does remind me of my own life, my own experiences, where people use the Bible to justify apartheid, and other extreme views, and then twisted it to try and silence people that disagreed with them. In other words, if you don't agree with me, you can't possibly be a Christian. And we certainly see that same spirit in the politics of the United States right now where things are so polarized and people are saying things like, God is with me and therefore God can't possibly be with you. And that really is a an amazing, amazing thing that I never thought we would live through, but we are seeing it played out before our very eyes. And in addition to that, I was reflecting last year that uh, every year there seems to be the sad news of another Christian leader falling in some scandal or other. And in recent times, this seems to have affected every tradition of the church uh, across many different traditions. And so I think of the ongoing scandal of the Catholic Church, and the evidence of widespread sexual abuse that's been covered up for years. And not only that, 
but then this systemic covering over of those abuses by the very people that should be exposing them and bringing justice for the victims. And then also in the last four years, we learned of the story at Willow Creek with Bill Hybels, a mega church in Chicago, where he also had been guilty of sexual misconduct over many years with women in the church. And the whole of that organization has been through a process of investigating how it could have better been dealt with and how women could have been listened to much earlier and the situation handled a whole lot better than what it was. And then even the evangelical arm of the church last year was rocked by the resignation of Jerry Falwell Jr., the principal of Liberty Christian University, again for another sex scandal at that university. And then for me personally, very sadly, towards the end of last year, there was also the news that Ravi Zacharias, perhaps the most respected and well-known Christian apologist, whose mantra for many, many years has been the relentless pursuit of truth, is himself guilty of sexual misconduct with many women over many years. It truly, truly is heartbreaking. And now Ravi Zacharias Ministries is going through its own process and soul-searching as to how this might have and has happened. And finally, the Pentecostal arm of the church was stunned with the news towards the end of last year that Carl Lentz from Hillsong in New York, who willingly embraced the tag as the church where celebrities like Justin Bieber hang out, has also had an extramarital affair, meaning that he was fired as the pastor of that church. And all of these scenarios are absolutely heartbreaking and point to the lack of integrity and witness in the Christian church of Jesus. And it seems, as I've said already, that no matter what the tradition, money, sex, and power continue to trip up even the most respected leaders in the broader church community. And I say all of this knowing that I too am a vulnerable person, I'm a vulnerable man, and except for the grace of God, I too am capable of those same things. And so I don't say that in terms of judging anyone. But I do say that because at the beginning of this new year, it seems to me that for far too long, some of the church has been guilty of aiming at completely the wrong things. For far too long, celebrity, slick presentation, being relevant, focusing on growth, on leadership strategy, and outward ministry success has replaced inward renewal, a personal walk with Jesus, integrity, and the blessing of obscurity. And I want to use that term. Helen and I were talking this week, and she mentioned this, this kind of term, the blessing of obscurity. And what we mean by that is that, that obscurity which enables you to serve God and His kingdom without the temptations and trappings of being successful and all that that brings into your life. It is a great blessing simply to be able to serve God in your community without being known by a whole lot of people and just getting on with the business of the kingdom. And so simply put, for me, the church has been guilty of focusing on external outward things that are not all at what at the, is at the heart of the gospel. And so for all of us as Christians uh, living here in St. Albans at the beginning of this year, there's the temptation to look for the new for our spiritual lives, and particularly so that we can grow this year. And so we can look for new strategies, new methods to help us grow. Uh, we can 
listen to podcasts, blogs, read blogs, uh, go to all the conferences that we can, although that's not possible right now, all in the hope that these will find that one thing that we haven't tried that will help us grow in our faith. Now, personally, I'm a reader. I love books. I love new ideas. And I'm grateful for all of the resources uh, that are available to me and and how those can help me in my life. But I'm also convinced, as we look at the broader church and the obvious failings that are so evident at the moment, and together with the challenges that we all face facing this year with COVID and all that for us, that to grow in Christ-likeness, we don't really fundamentally need anything new, but rather we need, we need some old things that have always been available to us. The Scripture says that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. There are things that have been available to us all along, and theologians call these things means of grace. And they use that term to describe God's provision for us as his people. And so let me just unpack that with you this morning a little bit. When Jesus commissioned his church in Matthew 28, he said something very simple. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so it was a very simple process for The disciples, they were simply to preach and teach all that Jesus had commanded, and then they were to baptize these new believers. Those were very ordinary things that they were asked to do. And the extraordinary grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, worked in those very ordinary things to grow the church. And it's the same for us today. So I want to say to you again, at the beginning of this year, for each and every one of us to grow in Christ-likeness, to become more and more like Jesus, we don't fundamentally need any new approach. We fundamentally need an old one. Ordinary things, ordinary means of grace that God has given us that produce an extraordinary thing in our lives. So what are those ordinary means that God has given us? to use and to grow spiritually. They are very, very simple. And again, I want to quote Acts 2.42 because it simply says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, in other words, to the gospel and to fellowship, to relationship with each other and the breaking of bread and prayer. And there we have, in that one verse, these ordinary means of grace that are available to all of us. God's word, the breaking of bread, Baptism and prayer. And in all of the generations since the early church and in the first century, God has used those same ordinary means to grow his church and to build his church. And through those ordinary means, the church has reached the four corners of the globe. That's how he feeds us and nourishes us spiritually. It's how we abide in him, how we rest in him. It's how we know him. And it's how we grow in Him. And so let's just look at those in turn, those simple little means of grace in our lives. First of all, God's Word. Um, I just want to say this as a kind of comment. You know, books about God's Word are absolutely useful, but they can't replace reading God's Word and hearing it's preached. 
And that's true for any kind of study that we do. If we're studying anything, you go to the source to see what the person says. You can read all sorts of things that people comment on the source, but to get the truth, you go to the source itself. And so all of us must give ourselves this year to God's Word, reading it for ourselves and hearing it preached faithfully week after week. Um, again, just to quote uh, Hebrews 4.12, which says this, God's Word is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. So beautiful, isn't it? Just saying, describing the work of God's Word in our lives. Um, Romans 10.17 also says this, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. And so as we need faith for this year, as we need to hear what God has for us this, this year, let it be as He speaks to us primarily through His Word. And I also want to just say in terms of that, uh, for the good of our own souls, for the good of our, our walk as Christians, let's not forsake gathering together as God's people. Uh, I know we can't gather as we normally do as congregations, and our commitment to you as soon as we can gather again, we will. But let's commit ourselves to join every week online and to hear God's Word read and preached so that it can transform our lives. As we give ourselves in our own lives to personal devotion, let's not forsake gathering together. There's an amazing anointing that comes when God's people gather together, and He speaks to all of us together. That's the first means of grace to us, God's Word. The second means of grace are the sacraments, which is simply baptism and the breaking of bread. Um, through baptism, uh, it says, Acts 2.38 says that God seals us as His own. And through the breaking of bread and uh, the drinking of wine together, we know something of the benefits of Christ for our lives. I will say in our church, uh, every time we break bread, that every time we break bread, we are reminding ourselves of our own need of God's grace and kindness and forgiveness in our lives. And that's why we celebrate the breaking of bread. Every time we do that, we're reminding ourselves of how much we need Jesus in our own lives, day by day and moment by moment. It's a simple means of grace in our lives. And then thirdly, prayer. Prayer is simply the communication that we have with God as our Father. Through prayer, we're able to respond to what He's teaching us through His Word. Uh, through prayer and prayer, we praise and honor Him as the one who made us, the one who saved us, who's transforming us, the one who sustains us. And through prayer, we also get to confess our sin, our failings, and we ask God to meet not only our needs, but the needs of of other people. And so as we pray, we, we're really living out this union, this uh, oneness that we have with Jesus and we have with each other. And so God uses our prayer to carry out His sovereign will in the world. And so we call to pray. It's another ordinary means of grace given to us that can sustain us and help us grow day by day. And then simply to say this in terms of this little phrase, means of grace, um, it reminds us that our whole life really is one of grace, from the beginning to the end. Um, 
We are saved by grace. The technical word is justified. We are, we are made right with God through his kindness and his grace that intervenes in our lives. We are made more and more like Jesus through the grace of God, working by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are saved by grace. We are justified by grace. We are sanctified by grace. We are made more and more like Jesus by his grace. And lastly, we will be glorified by his grace. One day when he comes again and we are rise to eat with him, uh, we will receive a, glory, a glorified body. And that glorification is, again, a work of grace in our lives. And so what I'm saying this morning is, is that we're not, we're not transformed by reading the scripture. We're not transformed by listening to preaching or how fervently we pray or how faithfully we take communion each week. Those things don't transform us in themselves. But we are transformed as the Holy Spirit takes those things and uses those things as a means of grace in our lives for the glory of Jesus. So simply to conclude this morning, all of us need to walk these old paths this year in our lives. All of us need to give ourselves to his word, to hear it preached, to read it daily for ourselves as bread and as medicine to us. All of us need to come to the throne of grace daily in prayer and ask for grace for our own lives. If you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you this year to be baptized as that seal that you are Christ and he is yours. And then I want to encourage you, as much as we can this year, let's not forsake meeting together. Let's not forsake breaking bread together. These are the ordinary things, the ordinary means of grace that God has given us to grow. This is how we root ourselves in Jesus, through these simple means that is made available and have always been available to us. So can I encourage you at the beginning of this new year to stop, please stop, relentlessly trying to search for a new thing. Resist that. And instead, can I implore you, can I ask you to rest in what God has already given you Trusting that those simple means of grace that he's given you will complete the work that he's already begun in you. And that's his promise to us, isn't it? He who began a good work will complete that work in you by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, who is the Christ. So that's my simple encouragement to you this morning. Run those means of grace, activate them in your life, and let them produce fruit in you this year. And next, next year, we're going to, uh, next year, <laughs> next week, we're going to have a look at another simple foundation for our lives that God has put into the foundation of this church. And it's simply this, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have an incredible freedom in Jesus, and we can live that freedom out in the most wonderful and natural way. So next week, I'd like to look at Romans chapter 8 with you. And we're going to explore that a little bit more together. What does it mean to be free in Jesus? That we'll build on that foundation in our lives this year. So to conclude, can we just pray? And thank you for joining us this morning. But let me just pray as we finish together.
Father, I want to thank you for your words. I want to thank you for the simplicity of grace that you've poured out in our lives. And I pray this year that all of us would rest in what you've done, would not be anxious in any way, but would give ourselves to those simple things that have always been available to us, that we might grow and become more and more like your son. And all that you are doing in our lives, Lord, I want to pray that that foundation would be firmly, firmly reinforced this year, and that we would build on that foundation of Jesus, that we might know you better and love you and love your people and serve our communities in the best way that we can. So we bless you for this morning, Lord. We bless you for this time. We say thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.